Hello and welcome to The Appetite, a podcast brought to you by Opal Food and Body Wisdom, an eating disorder treatment center in Seattle, Washington. I'm your host, Carter Umhau, a therapist, artist, and writer. And today we have an episode that is kind of hard to introduce in some ways um, because it is both the only thing that anyone is talking about and also a hard thing to get our heads around. We're going to be talking about social distancing and isolation, loneliness during this pandemic. I am recording from my home and I'm going to be talking with all three of the Opal co-founders, Dr. Lexi Giblin, Kara Bazzi, and Julie Church. Hi, guys. Hi, Carter. Hi. Hi. This is such a strange way to be doing this podcast right now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) We can't see you, Carter. (laughs) I know. I know. It's a lot. (laughs) I know you guys have been at Opal. I have been at home for 12 days. It's March 18th right now, and I have been in a self-quarantine for 12 days just as sort of an intro or like kind of a summary for what's going on with me for our listeners. I was exposed to someone that was exposed to a confirmed case of COVID-19 and so had had some really, really mild cold symptoms and so have been in isolation since then. I got my test results back this morning and I'm negative. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) I know. Thank you. (laughs) But All that to say, the four of us are all coming from really different places right now. I Mm -hmm. guess the three of you versus the me. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yes. And we are in studio together. So Julie, Lexi, and Kara are looking at each other with Carter here on a phone. Mm -hmm. Six feet distance. Six feet distance and some disinfecting wipes on the table. And we've been been open at um, Opal this whole time. So we have not had the experience of being quarantined as you have, Carter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or so, or being able to social distance in the same way that most people are now adopting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. So we have continued to keep our partial hospitalization and intensive outpatient open, but giving them six feet distance at meals and groups and all of that, and then gone telehealth for all of our individual single visit outpatient appointments. Whew. It is. I feel so. I've, I have so many questions for you guys, and I know that also you have so many questions for me. Uh-huh. Um, I do. Yes. I do. And like, I think that I want to say first of all that this is a difficult episode to be recording today. I feel so anxious, and I think that that is some of. It's a result of a pandemic, and it's also a result of the kind of psychological experience of being at home for twelve days, and just my nervous system experiencing some really different things. And I know that people all around the world are experiencing that as well. And um, we're all trying to figure out what is best during this time. So one of our main goals of doing this episode is to talk about our psychological perspective on sort of the impact of social isolation. We are certainly in support of social distancing and obviously all the recommendations that need to be taken seriously right now, but also really wanting to offer some sense of um, community and structure during this time as well. Yeah, um, Carter, I'm I'm curious what your experience has been like, and I, I'm curious if you actually truly haven't left your house. No, 
I have left my house and I feel really grateful to live by a park. I live near Green Lake and have that, I mean, that has been like a saving grace. I've taken a walk or two most days and run away from people when I've seen them. <laughs> um, <laughs> or like darted between people across the street. So I'm keeping a really safe distance and have gone on a lot of back streets and alleyways, mm-hmm. which sounds like absolutely dramatic. And it has been. And for those of you that aren't Seattleites, one thing to note is that there has been the gift of sun this last week, which we don't always have. So that has been something that I think a lot of people have been talking about here, where we're not always guaranteed the sunshine. But just I I guess just to note that with the whole Green Lake uh, sharing about going out for walks. Totally. And I think I'd be going out for walks in the pouring rain. (laughs) Right. Um, Totally. I I would 100% be doing that. Um, (laughs) And I also feel like it's been a a massive blessing that it has been sunny, mostly Mm -hmm. blue skies and the cherry blossoms are out. So I can, I can see cherry blossoms from my windows. I can see the water from my window. I feel immensely grateful for that. But yes, otherwise I've been home and I've been doing telehealth counseling with my clients and have been figuring out how to create a workspace at my home that certainly did not have one two weeks ago and trying to stay calm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it has certainly been a unique experience being sort of ahead of the curve in a city that is ahead of the curve in the rest of the country in terms of our response to the pandemic. And that has felt sometimes really crazy making and isolating, but then quickly as new information comes out every single day. It's also felt like somewhat of a blessing because I'm kind of, I hope to say that I'm kind of getting in a bit of a groove. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I know that does not mean that I am not feeling all sorts of things, but I'm having portions of the day where I'm like, Oh, I'm okay. I'm good. Like I feel pretty energetic. And then portions of the day that I'm not. What is, what are some of the things (laughs) that you've experienced like in the heights of the emotions or the heights or depths. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I've certainly been feeling a lot of impact around what's happening with my people, my particular people and feeling so many different emotions around the different stories that are going on all around the world. And that has impacted me. I feel like there initially were days where I was spending way too much time reading the news and that has certainly impacted me too. I've, I've figured out some ways to have some boundaries about that. But I, I have felt like, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know where to start, to be honest. I feel like there's so many, there are so many things and every day has felt sort of like a lifetime. I know that everyone across the world mm. is feeling that in some ways, like especially with new information coming every single day and new restrictions coming every day. I feel curious just with what you said about taking in the news because I've also been wondering that because I'm kind of feel like I'm obsessed with reading yeah. when I'm at, like as I'm going to bed and when I wake up it's the first thing I want to do and it I don't want to do that anymore or at least that level of it it feels like I'm a little compulsive with it I'm curious to hear where like kind of what your process has been around engaging the information and because on the one hand for us it's really important to be up to date with all the new mm-hmm. The new recommendations, but then, you know, obviously there, you can just go down a million rabbit holes when you're reading the news. Um, so I'm curious, yeah, where you've been and where kind of where you're at right now. 
I guess being a, a little bit ahead of the curve, I was taking in so much information to understand obsessively what kind of symptoms I was supposed to be aware of within my own body and some kind of hypervigilance around that, probably some hypersensitivity as well. I also felt really privileged to be able to like have some time away from my life to make sense of what was going on really fast because I needed to. And so I think for me at first, what was most helpful was actually reading a lot of more scientifically focused articles to really understand the importance of social distancing and self-isolation. That was chilling at moments, but also really, really helpful just to feel like, okay, I can I can really stand behind the actions that I'm taking right now. And even though there are people that clearly are, you know, outside my window, not aware of this information yet or not responding to it yet, I feel pretty clear about how important it is. So that was helpful initially, but like I said, chilling and scary too. Some of what has been important to me is reading that information and then processing it with with someone if I can, or immediately shifting and trying to compartmentalize a little bit and do something really different with my next segment of time. And segment of time actually reminds <laughs> me of like this, um, it's sort of an ironic metaphor at this point, but um, it makes me think about being on a cruise ship where like <laughs> you've got cruise like, ships. No, I know, yikes. I know, I know. But like it, this is these different like pockets of time or like activities or schedule or like kind of thinking about your day in these little chunks of like, okay, um, there's going to be a news chunk and then there's going to be a taking a bath and calming down chunk. And then there's a talking to my parents chunk. And then, you know, like just really being mindful of those different experiences. And that's now led me to try and figure out ways that I can be more boundaried with news intake. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's also meant having to be boundaried with the people I'm in communication with, because I know everyone is super, super anxious right now about all new developments every day. And so I've had conversations with best friends where we talk about the pandemic and then we talk about love is blind or the bachelor, or like we talk about some TV show that we just watched and are kind of trying to change the channel emotionally. It's interesting, you guys, because I am voraciously consuming news when I'm not at Opal, but I don't feel at all like I should restrict myself from that. I don't have any like rule in my mind about like, I, I shouldn't yeah. be doing that. That feels like what I should be doing. And I don't know. I don't feel I don't have a like, I'm going to try to not do it tonight thing. I'm I know, like, I think go for it. Enjoy. Yeah. Not enjoy, but just take it in. <laughs> yeah, I think that I, that makes sense to me because it's like, I, I feel a bit split, like where there some boundaries of the day need to have no news in them. But I also feel like a, a desire to be aware of what's going on. And it also does make me feel connected. And it also makes me feel, again, like the absolute twilight zone that we're in is valid. Mm -hmm. Somehow reading the news makes sense of things again. We're like, okay, like I am now getting in my own head about being at home and I'm feeling all sorts of things. And then I can read the news. And, and sometimes it's like, okay, yeah. I'm more anxious now, but other times it certainly is just a reminder of the severity of what's going on. And there are some really beautiful things in the news too, to be honest. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah I, I want to make sure I love, I actually love reading all of it. Why I'm trying not to write before bed is because I'm not thinking about 
anything else. Hmm. I I don't want that to be the only like it's it's and it's more of a I'm passively taking in a bunch of information. Like it feels like that's there's no self care in, mm, yeah. in my evening at all. That I think also is you know good for for my for who I am and my you know mm-hmm. my ability to get up the next day and do the next the next days of work right like mm-hmm. yeah. So it, t- it takes away from other practices. If it didn't take away from other practices, I'd probably be like, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I had to kind of force myself to go on a walk with my friends last night because I didn't really want to. You know, I've kind of just wanted to go watch CNN for the night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was like, no, you have to go do something with your friends and just get outside and, right. and walk. So, And then, you know, I've noticed when I sleep, I'm like sleeping in a cl- and my whole body's clenched. So probably yeah. what I'm going to bed, you know, when I'm going to bed reading <laughs> intense things, I'm, you know, I definitely notice myself just my body is, um, yeah, my, all my muscles feel clenched most of the time. I imagine a lot of us are like that. Definitely. I have been trying to think through like just different avenues of taking care of my body. I think particularly in a confined space that has felt difficult and walking has been really helpful there are some days where I felt a bit worried about if I'm even allowed to go outside. I, I am, but I especially am now. I haven't gone outside yet today since I got my test results mm. back, but I've just been so paranoid about, about it that it has been hard to remind myself there are things that I'm allowed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, looking outside has been so nice. I have been also really basking in like lotions and and, like just taking nice showers and just things that are more sensorial experiences. I have a heating pad and I was told that that can be a really helpful thing for to put on our stomachs during grief and really any time that our our like where our nervous system is going wild. And so I've been putting a heating pad on my stomach just while I like sit or do whatever. And that has been really nice. Mm. I, I, I think it was good to hear you share about the like heightened attunement to the body yeah. in kind of the, what you're sharing are ways to soothe oneself when we are kind of in that hyper, like, wait, did my temperature just rise or yeah. um, wait, that little tickle in my throat, am I about to cough? <laughs> or um, I think that we're hearing, you know, in our, among our staff and clients, those moments and everyone's being so careful. But I just think that that attunement is something that we are asked, you know, we, we say that that is such a value and such a important element to having a healthy relationship with our bodies and with food. And so now here we are attentive to different aspects of our body or with temperature. And mm-hmm. when does our body temperature change throughout the day? <laughs> um, I don't know, just maybe different parts of our body. So I think it's a, an interesting time of attunement and body awareness that mm-hmm. is going to be this whole uh, pandemic. Mm. We're so vigilant right now that we're likely to interpret, you know, neutral bodily experiences as threatening for sure um like this morning i had this (laughs) this i woke up this morning and i felt like these like crystals being created in my lungs and i was like what's going on i'm like i've got the coronavirus and and then i well i just it was like a really strong but it was complete i think it was completely manufactured (laughs) Um, wow because i'm fine i mean i was fine it was just i woke up and started kind of tripping out 
<laughs> on my body. Yeah. But then just got up and went about my day and was like, uh, then moved away from it. It seemed to be okay now. Yeah. As but, soon as you distract. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I find that more to the end of the day, at least in this last week, right? It's just like total exhaustion by the end of the day. Which mm-hmm. then the bo- could could be interpreted as body aches, but really I just have been <laughs> pushing every morsel of my mind and body yes. throughout the whole day. Yeah. That of course I'm exhausted. It's totally okay yeah. to just like lay down and go to sleep. My, yep. Yeah, my face gets flushed every day at Opal, and then when we do the temperature readings at the end, I'm like, it's gonna turn out I have the fever, <laughs> and I gotta go. Uh-huh. But then, I'm, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting all the ways that we're looking at our body. I know it's so um, it's funny in some ways to be thinking about like the, the there's humor and all of that. And it's actually kind of a beautiful thing to me that everybody is is taking this so seriously. Mm. I know that not everybody is, but mm. largely that so many people are taking this so seriously. And I, I see that as a as a way of really honoring other people and being super protective and being mindful. And like, that's, that's what this is all about. I have a friend of mine that is um, very, very pregnant. And I think that that's one of the things that has made me particularly hypervigilant has been protecting her. And I know that so many people have loved ones that they are trying to protect by this sort of like hypervigilance. And that's so beautiful and important. And I also I hope that in those moments where people are are getting kind of like freaked out by these tiny little details of their body, they can go, okay, okay, this is me like trying to calm or this is me trying to understand or this is me trying to make sense of what's happening or this is me just totally exhausted because there's a pandemic right now, you know, <laughs> and like, and I'm going to be feeling some things that I've never felt before. And that's, that's okay. And I'm going to try my best to like take care of my body and be responsible for any symptoms that come up. but. I'm going to be going through some stuff. Mm-hmm. I hear a lot of self-compassion in that way you're putting it. And I and it makes me think of grace, too. Grace extended to ourselves. Grace extended yes. to other people. Especially, it's a weird, we're all in it together. And we're going to have different responses and different ways of coping. And like this kind of blanket, I think of like this blanket of grace over mm-hmm. overall. Because when you are in a more state of, of crisis, harder coping things come out, too. Um, more Absolutely. ineffective coping. I was I I would love to talk about exercise because I feel like that's an interesting and movement a big conversation that we just actually had in in our group in our um, at treatment this morning um, because of this, these limitations and how people are responding to that. What what was it that people were saying? Oh, just the uh, like what this kind of we've never faced a limitation like this before in terms of places physically closing down. So there's both a limitation and the recommendation to get out and exercise and be in the fresh air and be outside. And so it feels both like the one place that there's some permission, but then there's this also massive limitation. And so again, how people are responding to that in their relationship to exercise and movement. And of course, our clients that struggle in that part of their life already, like there's there was a lot of rich conversation that we had this morning about that. And then just generally speaking, the public and folks that don't have maybe a disordered relationship to exercise, but now what are they kind of, how are they relating it to to it differently or similarly with the new way life is right now? Mm -hmm. And I feel very curious about how this is going to inevitably shift people's relationship to movement 
with having so many things be different? I kind of don't even know where to begin with some of these things because Mm. like this is a massive, a massive disruption in everyone's way of being. It's a challenge on every single way that you spin it, whether you're someone that's already over-exercising and is now feeling terrified about the possibility of not being able to go to a gym for a month or whether you're someone that is now only for the first time using exercise as a way to cope. There's a lot that's being shaken up and I feel like this is again, the perfect time to extend a lot of grace. And I know that that's not easy because there's also this tendency to be sort of compulsive and anxious right now, but (laughs) I think I've said before on the podcast that I enjoy going to the gym and have also been really ambivalent about the, the culture of the particular gym that I go to. It's close by and it's something that I've always chosen by location, but the, the culture of it has been like troubling to me in some ways. And I got an email as I think all of us have gotten from every single community that we're a part of (laughs) saying, Hey, like we're thinking about these, like all the considerations we're making around the COVID-19 concerns and we're closing, you know, and um, I got an email from the owner of the gym out to everybody. And it said something like, actually I have it in front of me. I'm reading it. It says, During this unprecedented time, we hope that you can maintain your fitness goals one way or another and keep close control of your nutrition and overall health. And I I was like, okay, well, we're done with that, Jim. If they ever open again. Yes. The close control was like, the the tone of the rest of the email was just like pretty unempathetic to begin with. But... I was horrified and was like, this is actually not the time to maintain close control that of anything. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's the urgency, right? Is like, if I have right. no control or certainty of, of yeah. what's going on in our world, yeah. where can I control? Yeah. I, I, it is, it's insane. And it's also like having, again, having been here for 12 days in my apartment yeah. and trying to meal plan and trying to do all sorts of things. Like, I too have started feeling a sense of scarcity around food that I have never felt before in my life. And I know that that, that's a privilege that I haven't felt that way before, but I can feel the thoughts coming in around, oh my gosh, like this thing that I always add to my yogurt parfait in the morning, like I'm, I don't have any more of it. Or I like, what if, you know, these little things that have brought me a lot of joy in my day are a bit at risk right now. And I can't control that, but <laughs> that is another place where I'm like, okay, this is not about this attitude of responding to scarcity or responding to fear. Like this needs to be a place, even if I don't have my favorite ingredient right now, to still try and figure out how to pursue nourishment and pursue grace and pursue attunement. Pleasure, yumminess. Yeah, Yummy, maybe in a different new way. Yeah. I know. Exactly. To be flexible within that wherever it's possible. And even like I think of that shift of what we have versus what we don't have. Mm-hmm. I've been really impressed. My husband's at home with the kids working from home and, and they're doing, you know, trying to have some structure there for school and everything. Um, but he keeps sending me messages of what we have versus what we don't in this beautiful like encouragement because oh. there's so many things to be fearful of. Um, yeah. Kind of that flip of mm-hmm. that what we have right now and mm-hmm. versus what we don't have. I made a list of all the dinners that we have and all the lunch <laughs> things we have so that you can see wonderful. this long list, all the things. But yeah, I mean, I think it, as a caregiver, somebody who is responsible both for the financial health of my family and also the like 
nurturing and like the way that I do some of those physical things. It's like it's scary to think what will happen when this -hmm. young person in my life is used to getting cinnamon toast crunch and there's no cinnamon toast crunch. And there's right. not going to be Cinnamon Toast Crunch. <laughs> you got to go to oatmeal today, you know? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yes, of course that happens in my household. But under these circumstances, they know that, like, it might not be that you're going to get it this week. It's interesting because my, my uh, fridge is bare. My cupboards are bare. I've not done any of the stockpiling things. For whatever reason, I'm not very worried about that. I feel like maybe wow. I should be. But just because it's just me right now at home. So mm. my heart is have... racing talking about it. Really? Oh, my heart is racing I don't have, talking about I, it. I have a couple frozen so meals but not oh my gosh. um not too too concerned about there being food in this there they'll there'll be food somewhere. But yeah. that's a total maybe that's a trust that mm-hmm. I've been I've had the privilege of having always in my life and maybe I'm completely clueless about that. I know. I know. I notice how privileged it is for me to say that, yes, okay, I might get the cinnamon toast crunch for my child within 48 hours normally. Like, that's so horrible, like, to think that. They that's have also not seen you that as scarcity. An, that's so. also you as a nurturer, too, it is. of how you love. Yep. Like, again, I think these are, uh, I think it highlights some of the differences, too, of our personalities and how we operate in the world and where then it would hit mm-hmm. our ways of loving people or operating or um, this parallels our relationship with food episode, whatever totally. that is. It's yeah, like, you have nothing, Lexi. <laughs> I'm not anxious at all because we don't care what we eat. <laughs> 28 dinners, everybody. Yeah. 28 dinners oh, to yeah. feed six. Where right. am I going to get takeout tonight? That's right. sort of like how <laughs> totally. I want to support the restaurant industry. So <laughs> totally. I did takeout last night. Tried to do canless drive through They were sold out. So tonight oh. I'll just go do the same thing again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. (laughs) Uh, speaking of the restaurant industry i feel like they are at the forefront of a lot of the economic loss and terror uh in our country right now i don't know i mean my experience having been one of being at home and working from home like definitely my work life is not looking the same as it did two weeks ago that's for sure but i also am able to work still. And I feel like the the conversation around social distancing is really like that too is a privilege in so many ways to be able to have the resources to do that and to be able to have a job that can support that still. Mm-hmm. I think I just want to name that that is a hole in this conversation because none of us have lost our jobs. Correct. Mm-hmm. And the anxiety and the panic that could be experienced at a time where not only are you losing connection to your social supports, but also to your financial supports is pretty horrendous. We we are incredibly lucky to, we don't have, we haven't lost anyone and we haven't lost our jobs. But um, what I can say is Julie Kerr and I are very concerned about Opal staying open. And so that that is a very real concern for us, but mm-hmm. it has not happened yet right so but it's something that we are living into every day of wanting to make sure employees keep their jobs and we don't have to do any layoffs and that's a definite driver of our everyday yeah 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 another thing that i've been reading i guess this is another email that's come in (laughs) is i'm on the newsletter for the new york times cooking section and Sam Sifton, I think he's the editor of New York Times Cooking, sends an email most days about like, what should I eat tonight? And his email 
this morning said, just like, first of all, like, how are you holding up? This is what the world is looking like right now. This is feeling scary. This is so terrible. And then he said, I'm here just to say quietly that deliciousness is possible against the backdrop of a national emergency. And then it matters to discover that that's the case. For deliciousness improves mood and inspires hope. Deliciousness sends a message. Someone cares. That's as true if you're making a chocolate chip cookie pizza with the children as if you're lying waste to the pantry to create a timpano you'll eat for an entire week. So please, cook this week as much as you can and reap the rewards, the rewards in good humor and a little relief. At least we have this. I just mm. thought that was so beautiful. Mm. And yeah, I mm-hmm. just wanted to like yeah, sort of put that out pleasure. there. It's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Put some things mm-hmm. in perspective. Again. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Earlier when we were talking about getting outdoors and all that you were sharing about that, um, I have also something we can link to from this ecologist and how they're talking about the healing and Mother Nature and being outside. So I would just love to add that to the show sheet. Great. In terms of loneliness, I think one of the most beautiful things that I have seen online, um, actually, gosh, there's so much, especially, you know, having been at home, (laughs) see a lot of things. But one thing that I thought was really beautiful was a video that was put out by the Atlantic that is a bunch of different Italians sending messages Mm -hmm. to themselves, like to what they wish they had known 10 days before. And it sort of like serves as a message to the world around how to be thinking about this Mm -hmm. pandemic and about social distancing. And Uh, I need to see that. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. (laughs) It's so Mm -hmm. beautiful. And, and they talked about the loneliness of it. And they also talked about how important it is anyways. And like the beauty that's come from like sort of some surprising moments of beauty that have come in Italy. I think that most people by now have heard about, you know, sort of, maybe not most people, again, I'm in a bubble, I know, <laughs> but, I know. Um, yeah. but I know that a lot of people have been talking about sort of the, the image and the video of um, Italians singing uh, from balcony to balcony. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about this? Yeah. We, I watched the video. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. It's really beautiful. And, and I, in terms of my own experience with loneliness, mm-hmm. like, I had a friend um, say earlier this week that they wanted to adopt the the term physical distancing rather than social distancing mm. because we really should not be socially distancing ourselves at this moment in time if we have the resource to be able to like FaceTime or call people or, you know, wave out the window to a neighbor or, you know, whatever it is. It has been so healing to me when I've been walking down the streets and there's been someone like working in their yard on the other side of the street and like they wave or they say hi or I've gotten to do a bunch of like group FaceTime chats with groups of friends or family members that I have never done FaceTime with. You know, it's just like it's really sweet, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's sort of the the feeling that I've had that there's a lot of increased connection that we're experiencing or maybe a lot of us are experiencing that um, happens when we have like a a really clear perspective about what matters in in life and the connection that comes when you have that your priorities kind of arranged in a way that allows you to be more open to what's happening in the moment versus the past and kind of can drop all the concerns that you normally would have and then be more present in what's happening with people around you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of closeness that's going to be born out of this time. Yeah. Um, and there's probably a lot of loneliness too. And we were already facing a loneliness epidemic 
And so, you know, that's certainly, as mental health um, practitioners, we're certainly concerned about the public health um, aspect of, of loneliness and all the mental health concerns that occur as a result of loneliness. So I just, I would go back to the, the research on connection and loneliness and, and remember that um, you just need one person. You know, you really need one person who's really connect, who you're really connected to, who you would self-sacrifice for um, and not expect anything in return. And they would do the same. And if we can kind of, if we can keep that one person in place for ourselves during this, this pandemic, that will protect us all from the loneliness that will cause mental health um, problems in all kinds of ways with depression and anxiety. So I, 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 I think I, I found some comfort in that this week of like, okay, we don't have to stay super connected to everybody, right? Just yeah. remember, it's really that one person that is pr- protective, you know, in the literature. That's what we see is just having one person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that feels doable in this time. Absolutely. I really appreciate you saying that because I think that's something I've battled with a little bit of how do you stay connected during this when we have limited resources, especially for us working in the capacity we are. One, it might involve some grief of not being connected in the way that you're used to being connected, but then it, it could be really, you could really be known by somebody in, yeah. the, in the midst of it. And and for me, there's, I've noticed even just you saying that in this moment, I'm like, oh, there's some relief in that because mm-hmm. I don't think... I need all of my my friends right now to know everything that's going on for me. But um, it's like adapting yeah. kind of the norm, adapting maybe some of the norms and feeling some of the grief, but then mm-hmm. having more feelings of being the, the a true good connection. Yeah. There's more focus on depth and, and quality maybe right. right now for all of us. Yeah. I like that. I think that, you know, there, there's so many, it's striking like how many versions of loneliness there can be. And I have had some thoughts over the last few weeks around, you know, places in my life that I was feeling lonely a few weeks ago, even as I have friends that I'm surrounded with. I think that what has felt lonely, loneliest to me in my life is more about like life phase and feeling differences between me and the people around me rather than feeling like actually socially isolated. And, and that distinction has felt really real to me and felt really big. And there's something in the last few weeks where like, that just doesn't feel like it matters very much right now. Mm -hmm. And I feel grateful for that. And that has been more of a unifying thing for me where maybe in an opposite way, I'm like, Oh, there, there are a lot of people like that I could call and have called and have FaceTimed with again for the first time before or people that maybe I would feel a little bit awkward with or feel a little bit like, oh, do I, you know, should I really call that person? Like, what will we talk about? Like we all have something, we all have something to talk about right now. Mm -hmm. That is a really common shared experience. And my experience so far is that people have just been so gracious and open-hearted and open for connection right now as well. Yeah. People and, are people are emotionally available right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think they are. And I think probably like one of the biggest like social difficulties is probably going to be in our own homes whether we're living alone or we are living with our families or our partners or roommates like those relationships can be like massive massive supports and probably also will be the ones that are under a lot of tension too. Mm-hmm. That, again, gets Mm -hmm. to be a place where we require some grace. 
and will also really challenge the way that we've figured out how to be together or not together. This has felt like such a, like both lovely and connecting conversation and also one that I think that like most conversations I've had during this time of pandemic has felt heavy and tender and we're aware of so many more things that we could talk about but today we just wanted to offer an episode that is just kind of discussing some of the the current issues and current thoughts that we have around what's going on in our world right now. I hope on a personal note that what I've been able to share about my experience um, so far at home can be helpful to those out there. But we would love to know about what you guys want to know more about, whether that is an episode particularly on relationship to exercise during this time, relationship to food during this time, or any other mental health issue. Um, We would love to know. We're going to be doing some polls on Instagram, so make sure you check out our Instagram at Open food and body and participate and give us some feedback about what you want to learn more about and um, how we can best support you during this wild, crazy time. Thank you so much for listening. Again, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so that you are up to date on all of our new releases and make sure you leave a review as well so others that are interested in this material can more easily find us. Thank you to Jackstraw Cultural Center for sound engineering, to Aaron Davidson for the Appetites original music, and to Hans Anderson for editing. Join us next time.